Hey, Blenders, on this week's show, we react to the Critics' Choice. We have a few last-minute predictions before next week's Oscar nominations, and we are crowning our five most anticipated movies of 2023. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. American Giant makes the durable, comfortable spring closet staples you need for work, the gym, and even happy hour. Made in America. Designed to last a lifetime. Get 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com with code STAPLE20. Hello, Blenders, and welcome, welcome to episode number 245 of Real Blend, a podcast that is pen pals with Tom Hanks. Well, wait, most of us are pen pals <laughs> with Tom Hanks. Uh, I'm Sean O'Connell, the managing editor here at Cinema Blend. <laughs> <laughs> and on this week's show, we're going to be reacting to the Critics' Choice Awards, uh, as well as a few last minute predictions before the Oscars uh, reveal their nominations next week. And of course, we're going to dive heavily into those when they arrive. Uh, and in addition to that, as we continue to look ahead, we're going to be announcing our uh, the, the real blend five most anticipated movies of 2023. Uh, we all submitted our top five and then Gabe processed them uh, mathematically and came up with the master list. And then we're going to let you guys know uh, which ones we cannot wait to see as the year progresses. Um, as I mentioned, I'm the managing editor here at Cinema Blend, joined as always by fellow Tom Hanks uh, pen pal Kevin McCarthy. Hi, Kev. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it's it's been wonderful all these exchanges that him and I have been having right. o- o- over 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 uh, mail, a physical mail, like, like you, you got know, mail. Pen-palling. Yeah, yeah, I, I literally yes. got mail from Tom Hanks, and uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I, it's been it's been incredible. But uh, Jake Jake did not get mail. Yeah, from, so uh, Jake Tom Hamilton <laughs> of uh, Fox Thirty Two in Chicago, who was who has been claiming for years to be like <laughs> a fan of Tom Hanks. And they've got some kind of bond together. Um, Jake, Jake, what does your letter say? I didn't I didn't hear you didn't you didn't read your letter to us when when you got it. Do you write a letter to the person that you're about to form a podcast with? I mean, I figured this is being my last episode with you guys, seeing as I'm the cream of the crop, as he said. I really kind of thought that, like, the the mood was going to be better. If you don't know what I'm talking about, please go to my Instagram in which in which uh, Tom says that I should quit Real Blend in order to form a podcast with him. I was hoping this being my last episode with you guys. It'd be positive. It'd be kind. It's my fucking birthday. birthday. For God's sake. No, I haven't gotten my Tom Hanks letter yet. I'm like one of those kids from from Harry Potter who's like waiting on his owl to go to Hogwarts. I haven't gotten my Tom Hanks letter yet. We got to give context to this. Yeah, I'm going to. Yeah, I'll set it up. So um, Tom Hanks uh, had asked for our mailing addresses following the interview that you guys got to hear. Hold on, Sean. Last week. B- before you c- keep going, uh, you're oh. holding a piece of paper that has your <laughs> I'll, 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 blur it. I'll blur it. I'll blur yeah, it. I'll blur it. Yes, Don't thank blur you. it. Thank you. Gary. I'll, I'll tell you where it. he lives. No, no, no. I'll blur it and then I'll put it in clear text <laughs> over it. Just <laughs> <so> <laughs> <you can see. laughs> and uh, and Kevin's uh, arrived yesterday and mine arrived yesterday and they all had really fun things included in it. Like mine had a Hanksagram. 
where Tom tells hey, me that I'm a, a really cool cat. And hey, what you guys hey. don't understand about uh, the dynamic of this show is that Jake, more than anything, hates to be left out of stuff. <laughs> Like it is a an extreme pet peeve of his. And so the fact that the two of us got it uh, and as Kevin pointed out, geographically, uh, Chicago is closer to Hollywood than either Charlotte or Washington, D.C. Uh, Jake's hadn't arrived yet. We know Jake's is coming. Jake, apparently Chicago has a bit of a delay in terms of their mail. But, well, but, in, sure. all, do, do we? <laughs> but in all honesty, it's really, really crazy. We I that, haven't to, hated this show. Yeah. <laughs> This much in a hey, very hey, long time. Hey, I, I haven't I, I, I been nice. I know. Kevin, yeah, yeah, yeah. just the most, most optimistic. <laughs> yeah. I, I, you have no idea. I went to the mail about three times yesterday. <laughs> I, I leave. And so, like, the mail finally came. My mail arrives late. The mail today has not come. So maybe it's going to arrive today, which would be cool because it's my birthday. You don't got mail. I don't know. I got mail yet. <laughs> I, I, this morning, keep in mind, I, I leave for work. Like I have to be at work incredibly early in the morning because I work on right. a morning show. I I checked the mail this morning out of the <laughs> thought that like maybe something came in the middle of the night. Like I just pictured like Santa Claus like putting like a Tom Hanks letter. Kevin, do also, you know Jake's new favorite Tom Hanks movie? Oh. Yeah, it's called Write Me If You Can. <laughs> <laughs> that thing you didn't do. <laughs> I, just, I, I just feel like I've been cast away. Yeah. Uh, if you're watching us on YouTube, hello. Thank you very much. You now know my mailing address. Uh, send me a package. Um, thank you for joining us down there. Hit like and subscribe. Turn on your notifications. And every time a new episode drops on Friday mornings, the notification crew will chime in and you guys can watch along with them. Uh, sign up for Real Blend Premium. We had a lot of fun doing the uh, fantasy movie draft. Um, I will not reveal the winner in case you are a premium subscriber and you have not heard that episode yet, but that was a lot of fun. We're going to be doing the draft again uh, for 2023. Heading into our next premium episodes, you want to make sure that you have signed up for that before we get to that episode and uh, check the description wherever you are listening right now for how you can sign up for Real Blend Premium. Um, I want to plug... That uh, by the time you guys are listening to this on Friday or beyond, uh, the new film Missing, which is a sequel to Searching, is now out in theaters. Um, and it has a continuation of the type of style of filmmaking that was done with um, John Cho in the first movie. Uh, and it uh, has Storm Reed is the actress who's in the, uh, the new film Looking for Her Mom, who's played by Nia Long. Uh, we were joined by the producers uh, and, and we ran that as a bonus episode on Wednesday. Uh, extreme shout out to uh, Natalie, one of the producers on the film, yes. who is a Real Blend fan. So yes. thank you so much, Natalie, for we love you. listening to the show and, and spreading the good word of Real Blend. Write me so, a letter and only me. <laughs> go out of your way to uh, go find that bonus episode, plugging the producers um, of Missing. And then, of course, this weekend, go see Missing in theaters near you all right um let's get to the critics choice awards uh disclaimer up front the three of us are uh members of the broadcast film critics association or uh the critics choice association are we still the broadcast bfc we're not the bfc anymore no no all right he's on the isn't one of you on the board I am. Oh, yeah, I am. You think I would know something <laughs> like that? Uh, and this one was held uh, out in Los Angeles. Unlike the Globes, which was held on a Tuesday, this was held on a Sunday in Los Angeles. Um, I thought a really good turnout for uh, celebrity uh, attendance. I guess that's the word I'm looking for. Um, I was I was really happy when I turned on the show because I did not get a chance to go out to a Kevin went. He was there live for it. 
Um, but watching as a viewer at home, I was really happy to see uh, the, the most of the nominees, the Brendan Frasers, the Kate Blanchett's, the entire team behind everything, everywhere, all at once. Um, Babelman's team was there, but Spielberg didn't show. I found that to be pretty interesting. Um, but I want to start with the fact that the show didn't do very well in the ratings. It pulled in uh, 900,000 estimated viewers on a Sunday. Now, again, it's um, because of the date of the Critics' Choice Awards, it's often going against uh, NFL playoff football, which is just going to be you're setting yourself up for failure at that point because it's the primetime game on that Sunday, which is going to be one of the more exciting contests. And I understand that you have to have it uh, at this time of the year. It has to be it be in January so you can get ahead of the Oscars and be the precursor that you want it to be. But 900,000 viewers um, continues to suggest to me that our fascination with award shows is just, if not gone completely, then at least fading. Um, and I know Jake had said to us and when we were sort of talking about this, he's like, but that show never really did huge numbers. And I understand that. But like, as I pointed out to Kevin in the text thread, like he's got we, we all do. All three of us have YouTube videos <laughs> that have drawn more viewers than the Critics Choice did. And given the amount of money and time that goes into putting a show like this together, if you're doing it for nine hundred thousand people, uh, I just don't know that it's worth it. But Kev, you were on the ground you got to experience it. I know I'm setting you up a little bit here, but given that you got to sit through it and see how it played, um, how do you think, do you think it's still worth doing a show like this? Do you think a show like this still has value? Oh yeah. I mean, here's the thing at the end of the day, like we were discussing this in the text thread. I mean, like, Award shows have been going down for a long time. It's not just Critics' Choice. I mean, Golden Globes were low. Oscars have been low. And Emmys, I mean, Grammys. I mean, they're just... All of them, yeah. Yeah, and I think a lot of it has to do with the 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 culture we're in right now in terms of being on our phones all the time. What's the point of sitting in front of a TV when you can just watch the best of clips on social media the next day or, or literally 30 minutes or even 10 minutes after someone does something incredible at an award sure. show? It'll be online immediately. Also, people are cutting cable. You know, mm -hmm. a lot of people are cutting cable. Um, I know from, you know, for me, like, like I know my parents still have it, but I don't know a lot of people who, of my friends who actually still have cable. And that was airing on the CW. And yeah. Seth Rogen made a really funny joke about <laughs> people tuning into the CW um, during his uh, dirt when he was on stage for the Critics' Choice. Um, that being said, this is a show that I used to watch all the time before I became a professional, if you want to call it that, professional movie reviewer, entertainment reporter. And I always dreamed of going to that show. And I have been going for 10 plus years. And it's still absolutely insane to me to be able to be able to be there um, this year. So for people who have never seen the show, they put critics at tables with the actual movies and shows that are being nominated. So weirdly enough, I, I sat down and Taika Waititi sat down right at my table. Hey, and it your was, boy. Yeah, it was him, it was him uh, <laughs> and the cast of What We Do in the Shadows, yeah. uh, which I have not seen the show, but I've heard great things about it. Um, I also sat there with the cast of Reservation Dogs. Um, one of the kids who actually sat next to me, uh, this young kid, his name is Lane Factor. Um, he plays a character named Cheese on Reservation Dogs. He is in The Fablemans. He's one of Sammy Fableman's uh, uh, friends in the movie. Oh, wow. He was, and he was telling me all these stories about Spielberg filming the, the movie and what it was like to be there. Um, 
and Taika was there. So the cool thing about Taika to Taika about about yeah. Ragnarok. No, no, I mean Taika. Taika was so Taika got there right a minute before the, before the show started, um, and he sat down, and I, you know, I said hello to him, whatever, and but he you know, he was talking to his castmates and everybody and and everybody that was involved in the show. Um, but the cool thing about sitting near Taika Waititi is that you know people love Taika, so like Kate Blanchett literally came over and sat at our table for a while, and obviously mm-hmm. they have the Ragnarok connection, so that was cool. And you know, one of the things I love about this show and over the years we've discussed this i don't really get up and take pictures really that much anymore i just kind of like to watch the show and say hi to people but it was cool to watch actors come over and like like at one point came blanchette and i couldn't hear what she was saying but it appeared that she walked over to jeremy allen white and was just gushing about his performance um because i think he had just won for the bear right before that happened um so it's just cool to see actors nerd out with other actors like literally to the left of me was andrew garfield um uh donald gleason and i got caught outside one point during before a commercial break and we or during a commercial break or whatever it was waiting for it to go to commercial and we talked for a bit because his dad brendan Gleason, I believe this is in the news, right? I think him and Colin Farrell got COVID, yes. I want to say. Yeah, and then yes, they, right. uh, and they yeah. weren't able to go to the show and I asked him how he was doing. Um, but for me, and again, I know I don't want to make this about me specifically, but there were a few things that I really had a cool time with before the show. I like to pull aside filmmakers and talk to filmmakers. I talked to Ludwig uh, Goranson for a long time about um, Oppenheimer. He's scoring that film. He also scored Black Panther as well as we had him on for Tenet. Um, he wouldn't really give me much about Oppenheimer, but we did talk a little bit about the process. He said he's almost done scoring it. Um, and one of the cool... Pre- Kevin asked him how it is, and he, and he goes... No, but it was, <laughs> dude. Oh, you know what I did ask him? I because so Nolan um, in trailers um, over the years, there the music he'll use in trailers isn't always the composer. Like even like the Inception trailer sounded like Zimmer, but it wasn't. He did tell me the music in that Oppenheimer trailer is his new music for the movie, Um, so which is really, really cool. And I also uh, saw Alina Sangren talk to him for like 15 minutes. He was showing me pictures on his phone of the IMAX cameras he was using on No Time to Die in the beginning sequence with the car. Um, Obviously, he shot Babylon and uh, First Man. Oh, I brought up our show. Uh, we had Damien Chazelle on our show for Babylon. He told us a story about it snowing on the, for the moon sequence. And I asked Linus all about that. And he, I told him we should get that thing released. Anyway, so enough about the nerd Good, outs, I, have, but, I have a question for you. Yeah. So, I mean, <clears throat> for people who haven't been to a show like that, you're right. One of the cool things is sort of like kind of maybe having conversations with the people and you're in the proximity mm-hmm. of, but it is a big room. So yeah. it is potentially like there, there is the potential that there'll be someone across the room that you really want to see right. or, or take a picture with or talk with, but you only have the commercial break to like maneuver your way over there. So a lot of times it just can't happen. Right. Uh, you obviously were lucky enough to have just such the ultimate incredible geek out perfect moment with James Cameron yeah. uh, or in December. Yeah. And I mean, just the absolute like you couldn't have written a better moment moment knowing that like if you hadn't had that because he was in the room for for the cca awards um if you hadn't had that would you have been like would it have driven you crazy knowing that he's like over there but like it's like how much did having that moment in december (laughs) sort of ease where like well you already had a great moment so like you don't have to like make a point to try to beeline over to him see jake jake gets me really well um because when you're in a room with someone that you've never met or want to meet really bad, there's a stress level that comes with like knowing that you only have a certain number of minutes to get over. So like and this, this, this is kind of crazy to think about. But if James Cameron, if I had never had that moment for Avatar, where I brought my Terminator hand. Yeah, I, I would have right been like your shoulder. I, yeah, I would have I been freaking out. 
uh, but he scratched his face with it too. Uh, <laughs> I, uh, I, I would have been freaking out about going over there to meet him. Um, but because I had that moment and I, and I, I didn't need to go bother him and get another photo because everybody else, you know, was talking to him. Um, I know that for me, uh, SS Rajamuli, um, uh, I want to make sure I get that right. SS Rajamuli, uh, who directed RRR, uh, he was the main person that I wanted to meet that night. Cool. Um, because if you had a great picture with him. Yeah. And if you haven't seen RRR, I highly recommend it. Um, what's, what I love about him is if you follow him on social media, he's just like a nerd like us. He just happened to direct one of the best movies of last year. Um, it's on Netflix if you haven't seen it, uh, though the language is a little different on Netflix. Um, it's also playing some theater. Like people in LA incredible. get a chance to see it on the big screen often. And I wish but, it would come back to more theaters. But what's funny about Jake bringing that up now about James Cameron is James Cameron had that moment with SS that night. Yeah. Like uh, there's a great photo of SS meeting James Cameron. Cameron apparently watched RRR twice with his wife right. um, and like he was telling them all about it apparently do you know it took 300 days to shoot RRR yeah, that's insane and I believe so, it so it won it won obviously it won a critics choice that night it was a big winner and now I think it's going to hopefully go on for a best picture nomination but rounding it all out the show was great being in that room was really cool especially during Brendan Fraser's speech because yeah, that was when, when, when he won I mean and people online this kind of goes back to what we were saying at the beginning of this topic and why the ratings on these shows aren't as great that clip went viral and millions and millions and millions of people saw that clip we aired it on our show the next day on our morning show um of brendan fraser crying during his speech that got more viewers <laughs> probably on social media and whatever sure. than sure. the show itself um but yeah that was it was it was incredible also chelsea handler crushed like she crushed the uh, monologue. It was great. The room was dying. I mean, and Taika was like laughing really hard. I mean, there was some really, really funny lines uh, in the show. But yeah, no, I thought it was a re- I thought it was the best show for the Critics' Choice that I've ever attended personally, because like Jake said, I was kind of I already really met James Cameron. Spielberg wasn't there. I kind of just like relaxed and just talked to people like mm. Donald Gleason, like asked how I was doing. We just hung out, hung out for a little bit. So it's, it's cool just to kind of like, you know, just to chat it up with people. Um, mm-hmm. Talk about Ex Machina a little bit. But yeah, I, I, I was very happy to be on the ground there. And, you know, the people that I was talking to, like the Lena Sangrens and Ludwig and uh, Justin Hurwitz and I talked for about 10 minutes who scored Babylon and La La Land. And he won the Golden Globe the other night for Babylon. Um, these are the kind of guys that don't get really pulled aside that often. Mm-hmm. So like Linus, like wanted he wanted to chat. He wanted to talk. So um, it was a cool show. And I appreciate you all letting me recap it a bit because it was cool. To, it was cool to be on the ground there um and there was a lot of great talent i mean every, there was a lot of people there jennifer coolidge i, I got stuck outside with her at one point um she's well, awesome it's tv and movies yeah it does, it does try to cover the gamut of, of both of them. yeah and i know the people who have talked about the the room is getting too crowded uh this is inside baseball is, is that whether we should separate the movies uh and the tv yeah uh, at the same time i, I would vote for that just because there are a lot of categories that we don't get to air sure and i saw someone posting about like i was a director or someone saying like you know my my movie won during the commercial break and it took us 20 minutes to realize that we won it because like during the commercial break everyone's getting up and like walking yeah. around and talking to each other yeah, and they're yeah, presenting yeah. these awards up on a screen and i do think that you have the potential to have a much more relaxed show if you separate sure. the two as opposed to like inviting someone in and then like telling them that they won or lost during a commercial break like that. Right. But let's switch gears to like the, the, the awards specifically and kind of how we think this is going to shape 
sure. the shows going forward. I think Fraser's win that night really brought him back fully into the race more so than he was. Cause I think over the time we've been talking about this a lot, like Fraser was the front runner. Then it seemed like Butler jumped in. Then Colin Farrell seemed like he was jumping in a little bit with his golden globe win in the comedy category. But Fraser's speech, I think, and Jake, I think Jake said this before on the show, a good speech can really like make your award season. And um, like key, uh, key Huiquan is obviously doing a lot with his speeches and everybody loves his speeches and they're really engaging and really entertaining and, and really Bassett's fun. Have been fire. Well, Bassett's I think Bassett is going to, is, is really right. solidifying herself as a front. Right. Runner I'm in cool that with that. I mean, what a, what a great first Marvel actor, like of all the great, Mar- like what a cool, and also like Angela Bassett should have an Oscar in her hand for, 100%. for her, you know, and yeah. honestly, like I remember, when that movie ended thinking two things like one, she deserves an Oscar nomination Two, she probably won't get it. Like right. I, I honestly, if I'm being honest, I did not think that like, not because of the quality of her performance, but because of what the film was. Sure. Um, and I just love that we exist in this world where they're taking that seriously. And yeah, I think well, that's she's fantastic. amazing. That, sure. I mean, that speech that she gives, what, that, I remember seeing I mean, that. That's, her, that's not, her scene, yeah. right? That's gotta be the clip they show. Oh, it has 100%. to be. The have yeah. I not given everything line is, is just is so impactful. So uh, let me ask you guys this. So where are y'all now? I mean, like, obviously we like, we timestamp these, the Oscar nominations will be out next week on the 24th. So we'll obviously recap those on our show next week. Well, I think Fraser's front runner. I also, but I want to give, before we jump to, predictions like that okay. i want to give some love to everything everywhere all at once oh yeah, um, yeah yeah because that film winning best picture uh and and not just that but the daniels winning in mm. director um and screenplay I were i ran into them and said thank you for coming on the podcast and they were like they, they, were, they were they remembered like after yes. they won like, same same with um uh, who else did we have on that was big that night? Dude, that you should have told one of them, oh, yeah. like, hey, one of our members went after those rocks. <laughs> He's in the hospital right now. <laughs> what I loved about them is that they were genuinely like when they get up there and they're so humble mm-hmm. and they're just like, we shouldn't even be in this category. Yeah. You know, what are we doing up here? Kind of thing. They they gave the most emotional speeches. They gave um, what I thought were the most authentic and sort of heartfelt mm-hmm. speeches. Also, their um, reaction to like their cast and crew winning. Yeah. Like they're they're faced when like Kihui Kwan gets up there and accepts. It's like it's such yeah. a genuine feeling. It's a genuine moment. Did so you I see the video where they did an a- acceptance speech at their table for a, no. one of the awards that wasn't broadcasted? Like no. they got up and did a speech Jeez. for their table. <laughs> so embarrassing. Yeah. It's um, funny. It's funny. But then I also I've loved, and again, this might just be feeding into my narrative that I think I'm just done with these types of award shows. Kate Blanchett standing up and saying like this whole concept is outdated and stupid. I don't like that. I, I strongly really? disagree I with you about it. that. Oh, I, I strongly it. disagree with you about Why? that. I'm going to I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to push I'm going to push back on that. I think that's incredibly easy to say after you've won two Oscars and countless other things. And when you're standing on stage already holding the trophy, okay. I think it's easy to say, hey, we shouldn't do this anymore. I okay. think I think it's a little dismissive. I think there are a lot of other people who haven't had that moment yet that would say, well, OK, hold on. Like, why do you get to do it X number of times? OK. And it just seems a little strange to be on stage at an award show, holding an award, an award that you've held many times before, you've held many other awards, and then say, okay, I don't think we should do this anymore. I, just, I'm with Sean. I, I actually do. I think it was genuine. I really I, I'm, not saying that, I'm not saying it wasn't genuine. I'm just saying 
I don't think you get to say that after you've already had your time in the sun. But see, but I, don't, I, but I, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't agree with that. I, 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 the reason why I think it holds more, more weight uh, yeah. with her saying it is because if someone who never wins got up and said, Hey, we should get rid of awards. We would say, well, you just want to get rid of them because you never get a chance to win them. Like yeah. her point was being, why are we competing against each other? Why is there even a setup? And she's not wrong. Our performances, oh, sure. but like are I, ranked. That, in a I think way. that I think that that would uh, carry more weight if she brought up that topic of conversation when she weren't in the awards race. But the okay. fact that she's in the awards weight race, and not just in the awards race, but on stage accepting an award, but then she's and using that's her the moment. That she's using her platform. Everyone's listening to her. I mean, but okay, and this sort of goes back to what I think ultimately is the real value of these award shows, which is that the amount of people I've had at my studio at at, at Fox here in Chicago come up to me and say, "Okay, fine, like I've, I've I rented everything everywhere all at once because it keeps winning," and like, "Okay, yeah, it's really great." Or right. like the amount of people who like maybe discovered Ted Lasso, or I just really got into Abbott Elementary because it keeps winning Best Comedy, and like, mm-hmm. like to me, forget putting a trophy in an actor's hands. It is it, like we we know all these movies because it's our passion, it's what we love, and it's what we do. But like if these shows keep putting lesser known titles like look it's great that black panther is going to win but black panther doesn't need help like black people aren't going to go like see black panther because it wins an oscar but people are going to reach out and find everything everywhere all at once because it's going to win best picture and to me that's the value that's why i don't like the idea of take away these war shows maybe change the vessel through which we get them sags are going to be on the sag awards are going to be on netflix next year maybe that's the direction that we go um but then the problem with that is they're only going to be tuned in by people that already know, like they're going to be preaching to the choir. Would it have been more badass if she put the award down on the stage and just said, you know, I appreciate it, but I don't need this and put it down. That, that might have been a little showy. That, I think that was a little showy. Yeah. Joey? What do you remember? Also, I think it's a little, it's a little like, um, holier than thou to do that when like people have done it in the past for like real reasons like human rights reasons you know of like oh I'm, yeah. I'm i'm not accepting this for like a reason that is actually affecting human lives versus like oh wouldn't it be great if our art wasn't you know competitive yeah, like yeah. i don't disagree with her but i think that if she had went that far of like i refuse to accept <gasps> this it'd be well, like okay well that's okay what if okay Sean, Sean, what if like like okay you have not interviewed spielberg what if like the next spielberg junket kevin and i get him and then when after kevin and i get him and we've gotten him a bunch of times and we've all got a bunch of pictures and all sort of stuff then i say you know what spielberg should just be done he shouldn't do junkets anymore he should walk away why are why are we all fighting over spielberg he's he's gonna say he said everything he's gonna say no more spielberg like isn't there a part of you that would be like well screw you like this you got you got your spielberg a little bit all right we i know we got to move on but real quick brennan fraser are you guys where are you, are you guys feeling front runner <sighs> I, I, I think know. the sag is gonna say a lot um i do oh god there's just such an uh, a swell of support for for austin butler i do i don't think colin farrell is really in the race that much i don't think See, it's yeah that's kind of where i'm leaning that's where you're leaning they yeah split. i don't they i don't know man those three feel th- neck this and is neck to me th- this is one of the more exciting uh like actor races in a long time. I think this is this is oh, great. definitely. I think Blanchett has it locked up. I actually think over, y- over Michelle. 
Oh, yeah, you think Blanchett's locked? I think Bla- I think Blanchett's oh, okay. locked. Okay, really quick. While we're on Tar, Tar should not win best score. I don't even know. There's the not that much tar. music in Tar. There's not that much original is. music. There's not. My, my argument is that Hilder's score is more about the the sound effects that she's created for the environment. Sound. Then give well, it no, the still- best sound. I just, don't, I just don't understand like the, the minuscule amount of original music in that movie compared to something like Babylon. Oh, yeah. Blows my mind. That's the whole reason. As much as I love John Williams, that's why I don't think Fablemans should win score because there's not that much. There's there's only like 25 minutes worth of her, original music in Fablemans. Her, Herwitz's score for Babylon is better than John Williams' score for Fablemans. And Correct. it's better than, than Hiller. It's just the truth. Right. It's not will, even the best Hiller score. We will talk about this when the Oscar nominations are um, dropped. If, if Swear to God, if Tar wins best score, I'm just going to Going to lose my shit. And then we'll record the show immediately after. Oh, um, I know we have uh, snubs, by the way. RRR. If that doesn't get a Best Picture nomination, that's a big snub because Hollywood is embracing that film. I know it's not going to be nominated in the in the non English language category because I don't believe India um, they didn't not put the film up. You know um, what? That's Kevin. I was just about to say to you, it's not going to get Best Picture because it's just going to get defaulted to that category. But you're right; they didn't submit it, and I wonder if. If, if that's the reason put it for best picture, dude, uh, that'd be a good strategy. That'd be a really cool strategy. Man. That Spielberg, would be cool. Cameron, you're talking about two of the biggest heavyweight filmmakers in Hollywood. I know. You know what I mean? I, I don't think Cameron gets in director. No, I don't think so either. No, the, that, the category of director has <clears throat> eight candidates for five slots, essentially. Yeah. The way I did, oh, I did run into Kaczynski and he was excited about our show. Oh, yeah. Yo, I'm that's cool. I'm excited. I congratulate about him Joe. on the DGA and he was really excited. That's fantastic. All right, we're going to get to Real Blend's most anticipated films of 2023, but let's take a quick break and uh, and then we'll dive into that on the other side. This episode of Real Blend is brought to you by Marvel Strike Force. Marvel Strike Force is a mobile squad RPG that allows you to battle with your favorite team of superheroes and supervillains in a fight to save the universe against threats like Doctor Doom and Apocalypse. Power up your favorite characters and build a team to complete missions, unlock gear and other resources, and even challenge other players in PvP modes such as Alliance War and Arena. New ways to battle with your roster are released regularly and the meta is constantly evolving. And now you can sign on for Marvel Strike Force's new Deadpool Anniversary event in order to receive a generous gift containing character shards, an anniversary diamond orb, gear, and other great items. Better yet, each week during the Deadpool anniversary, players can complete events and receive even more special rewards and skins. If you want to get in on all the fun of Marvel Strike Force, be sure to use our promo code MAXPOOL, that's M-A-X-P-O-O-L, and thank you to Marvel Strike Force for supporting the show. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. 
And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And we are back. Okay, so we're going to do Real Blend's top five most anticipated movies of 2023. This makes me sad because one other time that we did this segment was during our live show in Washington. It might have been DC. the first time we did this, actually. Is it? Yeah. Yeah, that I think so. Right. And we recorded uh, in front of an audience at the AMC it in wasn't Georgetown. My, was it? I, I think Dune, Dune was on my list. Was and and Finch one. was on my list, but it wasn't called Finch at the time. It was called Bios. Oh, that's right. Yes, it was. Um, so Gabe is going to, while he looks that up, he's also going to uh, set up how this happened because we all submitted our lists uh, independently and then Gabe uh, ran them through the, the the big old real blend computer. I, I'm sorry, I just picture like it being like this old 1980s with like smokes come out of it. But it's really just like an abacus. That's all it is. It's automated. What were our picks for the live show? Did you find them? No, because I think I put them in a different doc. I can find those later, perhaps. Pretty sure Tenet was my number one. I think it was up there, yeah. Bottom line is I would like to do a live show again, Gabe. Can we do a live show sometime soon? I mean, I'd love to. I think this is a great year. What are we doing next week? I think this is a great year to get back to it. Great. All right. How are we doing the uh, anticipated? So we're going to do this a, a little bit different. I don't know if we did this the same way last year or not, but this is a better way to do this, I think, than we did with the um, our. We'll be the judge of that. <laughs> with our favorites of the year, which just came out, which you should go listen to. We, uh, the, the guys covered their top 10 lists of 2022. But rather than go through each and every one one at a time and then we'll reveal the real bin list at the end. This week, we are going to uh, reveal our top five. And as I do, these gentlemen will discuss where it was on their list and why they are excited for it. So I'll go five, four, three, two, one of real blends official list and we'll go. From there, do we want to know what our number five? Are we ready to get into it? Any questions? Would love participants to. from the panel? No? Okay, Real to. Blends, number five, most anticipated movie of 2023 is Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. Interesting. Okay, interesting. Interesting. So I, I had this at three. I guess I'll go first because I'm wearing the Spider-Man shirt. Yeah. Uh, I had this at three. And when I tweeted earlier uh, that when I listed my my five movies, this is the this is one of them that surprised me because I was surprised that it was at three. Like I legitimately have two other films that I am more looking forward to because I think it's going to be difficult for that movie to um, have lightning strike the same spot twice. The first movie was so unique and so different than everything else that we had seen. And the concept of the multiverse and, and different Spider-Men coming in, Spider-Women coming in from from other uh, universes was was so original that I'm afraid that Across the Spider-Verse is just going to be a case of more. Uh, I'm more. I'm very content for the creative team behind it to prove me completely wrong. And um you know, I, I love having Lord Miller back as producers on it. I think the three filmmakers that they brought in, they have three different filmmakers who all have animated backgrounds and um, and they're taking a crack at it. And uh, I, I keep saying this, too. I love how Miles has become the the representation of Spider-Man for a, a, an entire younger mm-hmm. generation. Um, all these students who go to Michelle's school, um, they consider when they talk about Spider-Man, they talk about Miles Morales. And so I think that that's great. I think this movie, if it if it's as half as good as the first film, will do incredible business. 
And um, yeah, I'm excited to see where it's going to go. But I was personally, like I said, surprised that it landed at number three for me. And so uh, at that five was for Real Blend. Five for Real Blend. And it was the uh, your list is the only list that it appeared on. Interesting. All yeah. right. Yeah, wow. Yeah, yeah. So, and Sean, Sean, you're going to have a good year. You're also getting a Spider-Man video game this year. Yes, I am with my, oh. with Miles and 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 Peter and uh, it's good, but it's a PlayStation Five. I'm never going to be able to play it. You Brendan's still don't have one? Oh, bummer. Well, I have I have one. It's just in oh. Brendan's room. I just oh. don't get any access to it. So, well, he's on good luck constant. with that. You're good the man that. of the house. You, would you think march that. in there. You, th- <laughs> you would think that. No, you know Michelle runs that house. Yeah, this you know is true. That's true. Yeah, you know does. that. Just because just because someone's the man of the house doesn't mean they run the house. No, That's no, Michelle true. runs that house. Yeah. <laughs> Thank God. We're going to already start making waves with our number four, I think. Oh, no. Our number four most anticipated movie of the year. Again, is number four. It's great. I already know. Oh, no. Is oh, no. Oh, no. Oppenheimer. Oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> our number four. Uh, it, was, it was number four on my list. Jake, oh, you want to go ahead? I mean, it looks great. It looks fantastic. Um, you know, I think in the, in the uh, like, I mean, like there's nothing, there's nothing, you know, hey, again, in the grand scope of like all the movies coming out, it's like whenever you have to like justify a movie on your top 10 list, even though like it's on your top 10 list, but maybe it's not as high as other people want it to be. Yeah. I'm looks fantastic. Um, I do think yeah. because it's going to be much more, I do think that there's going to be obviously a spectacle element to it, but I also do think it's going to be much more of a on the more subdued side of, of a Nolan film, I don't think it's going to quite have as much of the theatrical spectacle uh, that we've come to expect from a movie like maybe like Interstellar or Inception or even something like Dunkirk or Tenet. Um, so maybe that's why, like, my expectations are a little bit more checked. But to be honest, like if I if I walk into a Nolan film with checked expectations, what's in all likelihood going to happen? I'm going to be blown away. So. I don't, I don't mind having, you might be, ah, (laughs) so I don't mind like having a little bit of, but like four, four out of all the movies coming out this year is not bad. So it does seem, it does seem very low for this show. I'm disappointed. (laughs) It's like like when your parents say they're not mad at you, they're just disappointed. There's like like a hundred movies coming out this year, but it's at number four. Yeah, that that one. um, Where was this on your list? Yeah. That's my number one. Is it on Sean's list at all? It's not on Sean's list. Oh my god! When Who Sean sent you? me his didn't, list, it didn't make your list at all. When, when yeah. Sean sent me his ah. list, I just sent him a gif of a nuke. Yeah. <laughs> because you have to remember that Nolan's not one of those guys that I go gaga over all of his films. When they connect, I love them. But he also has the capability of putting out an Interstellar, and this one feels a little bit more heady um, in a way that Interstellar kind of was. And I'm with Jake. I think it's going to be by Nolan standards, um, smaller and internal. Now that might work really well because it's about this guy who's wrestling with the reality of, of a, something that he's creating. Right. Which doesn't mm. seem to me to speak, to be very cinematic, but I'm sure oh. that Nolan will figure out a way to do it. And of course, everything with the bomb will probably be great, but it, it just didn't quite make my five. See, uh, for me, it's my number one. I mean, obviously, I'm a huge Nolan fan, so it's not it's not crazy that I have it at number one. But this one, this one in particular is very special to me for many reasons. Um, And I'll I'll dive into this later on as we get more into the into the movie closer to the release on July 21st, 2023, which I know very, very much off the top of my head. (laughs) You probably know that number that's counting down right now. (laughs) Um, So I'm in the middle of reading the book. It's like a 27 hour audio book um, called American Prometheus. I have eight hours left, so I'm 21 hours into 
or 20 hours into it. Um, it's brilliant. It's uh, Sean mentions this 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 wrestling of this idea of, you know, creating something so horrific but the idea of not wanting to put it in, in human beings hands, essentially. Um, and, you know, once they do the Trinity test, like he, he realizes, like, you know, the true power of this thing. And it, it's, you know, it's pretty, pretty wild to read it in the book. Um, but Killian Murphy, I, I think Nolan's going to find a way with the black and white IMAX and the color footage to play with how the bomb affects the footage in the film. I've read theories that we might go forward in black and white or backwards in color from the bomb. I don't know how he's going to do it, um, but we do know that he did the nuclear explosion, the Trinity test without CGI, um, which is not uncommon for Nolan considering like interstellar, for example, was green screen, no, no green screens, just projections out the, out the ship's windows. Um, but you know, one of the things I'm fascinated with is kind of exactly what you're talking about is the smaller scale intimate story of uh, of what this man went through um you know he was his name was destroyed absolutely destroyed um in in history mm -hmm. um and you know it's really kind of a really it's a tragic story it's a, uh, i think the book itself is even called the tragedy and triumph of, of j robert oppenheimer i don't have the exact wording on that but it's that juxtaposition between what he created and what he was trying to warn people about and the human beings and like you know the idea of a american prometheus is taking fire from the sun and like are we supposed to wield this much power as human beings um i saw the trailer in imax it looks outstanding obviously hoidema shot it um but a i think it's like a lower budget than he's done in a long time i think i think it's a hundred million i could be wrong on that i know tenant and interstellar and all those films were were i think a a, a bit higher in production like closer to two or were they yeah. like 175 yeah i don't i think Dun dunkirk might have been 125 i need to go back and double check it but either way this is definitely a lower budget than tenant so that, that's for sure um but in terms of uh the well, let me film ask you a question do you yeah. think that that's a little slap on the wrist because tenant didn't do no i no, mean Ten I, tenant got released in a terrible spot i understand i think that. oppenheimer is just doesn't it doesn't need it um because from okay. what i understand and i haven't seen the film yet um I don't believe he's going to even go into or, or show Hiroshima and Nagasaki. I don't know for sure. I know the right. Trinity test is a big part of it because when I saw the IMAX trailer, they were showing a lot of footage of Killian Oppenheimer climbing this tower to make sure the bomb was, you know, whatever right, right, he was right. going to do with it. So that I think is the, is the main focus of the film. So I think from a budgetary perspective, it probably a lot of it came from cast because the cast is so stacked. Like I saw footage of Matt Damon in the trailer. The cast is insane. Yeah. Have you looked at the cast and associated them with the names of the people as you listen? It's so funny because I've been meaning to do that. I want to say that Matt Damon's playing General Groves who's a big part of the book where I am at right now. Leslie uh, they just Groves did, Jr. Yeah, yes. they just did the, they just did the Trinity test and, and Groves was one, you know, the head of the guy, one of the head guys at Alamo, uh, Los Alamos, uh, Los Alamos, Alamos right? Los yeah. Alamos, yeah. And, and so there's so, by the way, I got to tell you, I've never read more dense, interesting history than I have reading this because I'm yeah. so fascinated by it because Nolan made me fascinated by it. And last thing I'll say about it before we move on, my grandmother's 97 and she lived through that whole time period. And so I told her I was reading the book. And she's like, oh, I love I love all Pulitzer Prize books. I'm like, I'll read that. I'm like, 
really? She goes, yeah, yeah. So we've been getting on the phone once a week. She finished it way faster than I did. Wow. She's like the fastest reader of all time. Um, and I got to show her the trailer over Christmas. Um, I got to bring her to the computer and show her the trailer because she was like deep in the book at that point. You didn't um, bring her to a theater, for God's sakes? What's she's 97. She's in a, a nursing home. No, 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 no. She's not. No, but she can't. She can't. Yeah, we couldn't le- uh, let her leave. So or, uh, not me, but she can't leave the nursing home. Uh, she just you know can't walk and everything. So she's 97. But she watched the video, thought it was brilliant. Um, so I've been having a lot of conversations with her. My grandfather fought in World War II. So she lived through that whole time period and to get her perspective on Truman and Eisenhower and the different presidents and the different politics that were going around in that time. Um, I think this is going to be this has potential to be Nolan's masterpiece. I mean, I love Interstellar so much, but I just think from a human perspective, this sounds like the most interesting human story I think he's ever told. So I'm fascinated by it. Have to point out that Gary Oldman is going to play Harry Truman, so maybe this moves. Is up he my really? List. Just, maybe this moves up my list just a little bit. <laughs> Wait, who, oh my God! I didn't know Truman. He, I, I, I haven't yeah. even looked at the full cast list. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's cool. right. insane. All right, Real Blend's yeah. number three most anticipated movie of the year, and now these next three um, heavy hitters, heavy hitters, and and they're all on all of your lists. Of course, right. that's that's how the scoring works. Indy Five is all our right, number Jake. three most anticipated. Jake, take it away. That was that also was my, my number three, though. Yeah, that yeah. was my number three. Yeah. Um, I mean, look, I my mean, number I, two, my number two. I, I truly, truly have faith in this movie. I just genuinely believe I really think that Harrison Ford recognizes. First of all, I think more than any of his characters, I think Indiana Jones means the most to Harrison Ford. I know he mm-hmm. he has said he has said to me that he is not a, an overly sentimental guy, but I still just believe the way he talks about Indy compared to the way he talks about Han Solo or Jack Ryan or whatever. It's just different. It's just a different vibe. I think the character means a lot to him. And I think he wanted one more shot at it to go out right. I don't think he wanted to leave Indy with Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. Mm -hmm. Um, I know some people are concerned about it not being Spielberg, but James Mangold has proven with Logan that he knows how to give an incredible character that uh, a a one last ride kind of feel like honestly, like Mangold is one of the aspects of this film that gives me the most faith. Like he is one of the strongest directors working today, you know, not, not even Logan and, and Ford versus Ferrari, but looking back to, to, uh, three, you know, three, to, Yuma. three ten to Yuma or, yeah. you know, and I really like night and day, you know, Copland. Um, oh, so Copland. Yeah. Is that his first movie? No, it was first, but movie. it's very early. He made it. it, it was Wasn't his first movie. movie with Hugh Jackman? No, his first movie was called like, I thought Copland was one of, one of his, maybe it was early. I don't remember. It was very early because it was in the, it was in the nineties. Yeah. But, it but is, I just, I think it's going to be a strong film. I do think that there's going to be uh, a really interesting time travel element to it. Like I'm really mm-hmm. leaning. Like, I think that's what the dial of destiny is. Heavy was his oh, first movie. Uh, Heavy. Uh, and so I, I think there's going to be a really cool, I think it's going to be both, uh, you know, a final send off, but also a little bit of a, a tip of the fedora to, uh, you know, the other, uh, the other indie films. Well, there's going to be de-aging too. Like, yes, which is why I think there's de-aging a lot. And I think all of the sequences with him and Toby Jones on the train. Yes. Is a, is a flashback. Yeah. Like it's, is Indy it a flashback or is it him going? Because I think what, I think that what the plot's going to be is that if Mads Mikkelsen is playing a Nazi, yeah, I think he's playing like a Nazi. What did the movie takes place? Like in the sixties, late sixties, 69, I think, I right? think it's going to be a Nazi in the sixties, 
who finds a and granted I know nothing I've read nothing I know no spoilers I'm not spoiling anything for anybody but just based on the trailer and the fact that it's called Dial of Destiny I think it's going to be Mads, Mads Mikkelsen as a Nazi in the 60s he finds the Dial of Destiny which is going to have something to do with time travel and it's going to be him trying to go back to the 40s or the 30s and try to win the war for the Nazis and it's going to be Indiana Jones chasing him back through time Question. If that's true, is there a chance that this movie goes back in time and then resets the indie timeline to erase Kingdom of the Crystal Skull from the canon? I would love it. <laughs> I, I Could you imagine? I feel like, I feel like the most MCU wouldn't, thing wouldn't do that to Spielberg, but that would no, be. No, would never know. I, I, I will say, though, that you talk about the de-aging because it's it's different. De- it's different than regular de-aging because um, I, I interviewed Harrison Ford. We did it when we were in London. Um, he gave me a really interesting answer about how it's, you know, it's, there's an AI aspect to it. And all the footage is basically older footage from Lucasfilm Productions. My guess is that means both Han and Indy. Yeah. I, I, I would imagine that there's the, there's got to be because some of those shots look like Han Solo. Um, so I'm I, and from from what I can gather from it and even he doesn't really fully understand it. He said they, you know, they put dots on his face or whatever, and he acts the scenes out as himself, obviously. But they're able to use real shots and then his movements through AI. They can actually adjust the older images. It's so like a mixture of like a yeah, facial replacement. It's and a wild. wild. Like, like, and honestly, that's the, probably the most animated answer I've ever gotten from Harrison Ford. Mm-hmm. Um, other than him telling me about the carbonite in um, in, you know, in Star Wars. Like outside of that, I have never seen him like get excited about like some nerdy filmmaking thing. And I remember right before I asked the question, I was like, hey, I'm going to geek out with you for a second. He goes like this. He goes, oh, <laughs> and, then, and then and then I literally asked the question and he got he lit right back up. He probably thought I was asking him some Star Wars thing. But anyway, it's so insane, though, yeah, that like, cool. I can't think of another example of a cherished franchise where I, and we don't know anything confirmed, but I believe we all think the people involved with the with the last one. Except the fact that they kind of blew it. <laughs> well, I think they've come out and more. said, I think they've come out and said, probably recently with Indy 5 going on, that it, they kind of knew that they were in over their heads with some of their story issues and this, that, and the other. Like it was, it sounded like from what I've gathered from like random quotes here and there, that it wasn't like they had all the time in the world and, and all the resources to do exactly what they wanted and they missed. It was yeah. more that they were up against the wall in a few different areas as films often are when they're dealing with big budgets and deadlines and things like that. And they just yeah. kind of had to accept. It sounded like they knew that they were not putting their best foot forward. Which and they, and Lucas sure was, they were not. was fairly adamant, right? Cause like Lucas was fairly adamant about the alien thing. Yeah, like, he, yeah. like he, he didn't, didn't he sort of hold the cards were like, might've been like, like he wouldn't sign off on it unless it was aliens. Yes. And also that entire opening sequence that takes place at the, I love um, that opening scene. I actually like that opening scene too, well, but everything up until the nuclear explosion, um, like everything up from that from that point on was part of an, a different script, like an earlier pass wow. that someone tried oh, to really? do when putting a sequel together. And Spielberg fought to at least maintain that. So this sure. it felt like a Frankenstein monster of yeah. stuff put together. I will say this and we'll move on to number two. Mangold is really the reason I'm excited. Yeah. Kind of what Jake was saying, like at first when they announced it, I'm like, no Spielberg. Mangold just seems like he he's a he he is great at really solid blockbuster filmmaking like our Ford v Ferrari was one of the most thrilling films I've seen in theaters like it was just and it was and it was it wasn't like it was the most insanely 
unique story of all time. He just told oh. it so damn well. Like he's just yeah. really, really good storyteller. Yep. And I, I think, you know, you know, it, it, listen, it, yeah, you of course you want Spielberg to be behind the camera on that. But I, I think I think Mangle was a great choice. I'm, I'm, I'm very much looking forward. The trailer definitely made me excited. And also yep. the de-aging was really important. We've seen bad de-aging. I can't watch The Irishman anymore. It just doesn't it just doesn't look good when they're de-aged. Um, so this hopefully will not be distracting. All right. Our number two, which I think will uh, give you a hint is what our number one is probably going to be uh i'm going to be really upset about this i'm going to be upset if it's so we had a tie this is what i'll say we had a tie for number one but i played the uh the vice president in this council oh that's horse shit because now i know it's gonna win we all know a game i don't know what to tell you can say i'm biased but i mean if you want i can start submitting a list and then we'll just have a new list we've been trying to get you to submit lists for four years game has the right to do this i'm the tiebreaker this is how this goes um so at number two we have Mission Impossible 7. All right. Great. That Fine. was my hey, number two. Hey, hey, Sean, Oppenheimer's four. Let's just That's go ahead and be, we'll be okay with that. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't think we have to say much about this. It's Macquarie. It's Cruz. Y'all saw that behind the scenes shot of the. Yeah stunt oh my gosh. I mean, it's easily. But, but also the thing, about you, the thing that I'm excited about this one is that there are it really seems to to feel like this one's tying in a lot of elements from all of the past missions yes. which which kind of makes it the the series as a whole less episodic and more of an like an overarching story like there are characters from the original they're bringing back that little key thing he does that little like trick of the hand mm-hmm. is something that like that he did in the first film that they that's haven't really Palma. brought back up yeah like that's yeah. a little De Palma thing um you know the Vanessa Kirby character is uh supposed to be the the daughter of Vanessa Red no yeah Vanessa Redgrave yeah 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 oh. um like that like which like didn't really super get explored in huh. in Fallout like he yep. he mentioned she mentions like her mother but like I I'd, I'd like to think that that's going to get brought back in and let's be honest we, we you just know that because it's part one of two, that that cliffhanger is going to be epic. You know, it's oh just going to be an incredible literal. It might be a literal cliffhanger. Am I too? Call back. I have a hot take. I, I actually like Am I too? I like. John I love Am I too? I would argue there's there's not a bad Mission Impossible, and Mission is more consistently strong than Bond. My least favorite mission is the first one, actually, weirdly enough. Um, and I and I love them all. Um, it feels like an earlier film. Like it feels yeah, like a different yeah, type of yeah. movie. Yeah. I will say this, and this is, might be a hot take. That that stunt a spicy uh, take? feature, the, yeah, the, the stunt feature they put together, uh, where Cruz is, you know, taking that motorcycle off the cliff. He's done way crazier stunts in these mission films than that. Like, I, and I, I, was, I was watching that, and I was like, yeah, of course, I would. I, that, that looks insane. I would never do that. Oh my gosh! Actually, I, mean, I, I would probably. I, mean, I, I don't know do the way that they set it up. And again, they're trying to sell a movie, so but of course dude, they're hyping it. But the way they set it up, that he, how many things they're putting together for him to, oh, yeah. have to clear, and base then he's jumping, base jumping, and then he has to finish riding. I'm not saying it's not insane, but if you go back and like look at some of the stunts, he, like the, I think the Burj Khalif one is. Is way, is is way more insane than that. I, I understand think the, that, but like I think he, that that's but, so hard to top. I know, but but, but also but keep even, in mind, like there are also even, like the things that we haven't seen. There, he is doing something with a plane. Oh, I'm not he saying keeps it's not. Up. 
I'm not saying he's gonna be great, but like, dude, Fallout. No, he he that, base jumps, he ramps off, he base jumps, and then he floats into awesome. the cockpit of a plane and he takes off. And, and then he says, "This mission just got a hell of a lot more impossible." Impossible. Yeah. And yeah, they do a little blink at the camera. You know what I'm talking about? You know the reference I'm making? Yeah, yeah. I couldn't walk on that ramp. Oh no! Listen, I want to clarify that I would lose my mind. That stun is absolutely insane. I'm not saying it's not. I'm just saying when I watched that footage, I said to myself, I've seen him do crazier things than this. I mean, I get, I get films. what you're saying. Like, I get what you're saying. Like, dude, the Halo jump and Fallout is one of the most insane stunts. It, it, honestly, the behind the scenes of the Halo jump is better than the scene in the movie. He was jumping out of a plane at whatever it was, 30,000 feet in the air multiple right. times, having to stay within one inch of the frame of a cinematographer who was falling with him. I mean, <laughs> I mean, it, it is just insane. So anyways, but besides that, the stuff looks great. The motorcycle chase in Rogue Nation is insane. Dude, the when he goes, Rogue Nation is incredible. When he goes into the circle in Paris. Oh, and Fallout? And, oh, that's and, Fallout. Yeah. Oh, that's Fallout. Yeah. And he's weaving yeah. Yeah. in and out to of me, the cars. That, to me, that was always the most impressive thing. Whoa. Like, that's the one that, that made my stomach go, oh, yeah. oh, my God. <laughs> I sent you guys a video yesterday from that movie Used Cars. With yes. that guy. And for people yeah. out there online, go look up this stunt from Used Cars, Robert Zemeckis' film from the 80s. This guy, this guy literally is walking backwards and it gets almost hit by a car. And it's the most. But it that's made how me, movies were made back but, then. Damn, like, you'll like, be I, fine. Uh, yeah. yeah, there were no stuntmen. Go watch a Smokey and the Bandit movie. Like, no, people, I know, but I think people died making those movies. Hey, right. Buster, Ke- Buster Keaton walks so Cru- Tom Cruise could run, yeah. man, on a broken ankle. And, and boy, does he run! I think everyone knows what our number one is going to be. And then after this, I'll let you guys briefly discuss your your number fives because your number fives um, didn't make the list. But our number one most anticipated movie of 2023 is Dune Part Two. So in the, of course, the only reason why this is number one, or, well, it wasn't number one. This was my number four. What? But, yeah, this was, oh, this was, was my was number my, two. It was my number one. Okay. This is two for me. Is Denis. I, I, I have 100% faith in Denis. I don't know the story. I loved the first one. I thought the first one was terrific. But I understand the people who have read the book know what's to come and, and are saying how exciting it's going to be. And that's fantastic. But but if it weren't Denis, I'm not quite sure how into the continuation of the Dune story I would be. But it is Denis. I, I feel like it's, <laughs> I feel like, <laughs> like, yeah. once, like the, yeah. the trailers and everything starts coming out and you would start be, seeing like Would we divisions? be in the Barbie if it if it wasn't that yeah, director? Would we be in the Oppenheimer if it wasn't that director? Something, something like Barbie or Oppenheimer would have probably made my list um, if Dune Part Two was being directed by like. Someone, someone who is not on Jimmy's level. But Doom Part One was such an incredible achievement, and and for people who haven't listened to our interview with Denis Villeneuve for the first movie, you got to go find it on YouTube because he was amazing. And that dude took a gamble. He literally made half a movie, half a movie. Yeah. And if it didn't do well, we would not get the second half. I know. And like I, to me, it's almost like this underdog story. To me, and like the, the fact that we're getting this sequel, which I want to say was lower budget than the first one. I read that somewhere recently. They actually went under the budget of the first movie. Let me ask um, you a question. You yeah. put on Nope like all the time, a dozen times. Yeah. How many times did you rewatch Dune? I've put I've on Dune a few times. Have you? So I'll do, put it on do, HBO Max. Really? I'll give you my reasoning why I don't watch Dune a ton at home. So Dune, I've seen three or four times is my number. It was my number one, I think, that year. Um, 
and this, this is super nerdy, but they did not release the IMAX version of that film at home. That's, that's, I, 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 I'm telling you, it, it it ruins it for me because that's what we're going to get with Dune Part Two promotion. You, I think. Yeah, if you saw Dune Part One in IMAX and saw the scale that Greg Fraser had on those shots, and then you go home and put it on a TV screen on widescreen, <gasps> and it doesn't fill it, you're missing so much of sand. the cinematography. A lot of it sand. is. It, no, it's, it's you can joke all the oh, time. Don't respond to him. Don't even respond but, to him. Kev. Don't even respond. But, but, but the point being is that, like, I I saw Dune at, at a six story IMAX screen called the Udvar Hazy out here where I live. Once you see it like that, you can't like at least with Nope and like Tenet and all those movies, I can get the IMAX and those shots look outstanding on an OLED TV because they're so massive. But then I'm going to argue that's detrimental to the film. See, that makes the I, film less. Yeah, this is, you're just finding well, an no, argument to make. I, I, no I'm way. just not the true. only reason I I would I would put Dune on more had the Blu-ray or the home right. release put out the actual cinematography that was shot for that film. It's just not the same. That's why you know what Ghost Protocol is my favorite mission film. I don't watch it anywhere near as much as I watch Fallout because Fallout has the IMAX shots. Uh, Brad Bird shot full IMAX on the Burj Khalif scene and mm. all we have is a wide screenshot of it. That is the and most insane thing ever. Of the it's way still compelling, it's but it's not the actual thing he shot. It's cropped. Jake, it's crazy. Talk a bit about Dune Part 2. Sorry. I mean, it's just, you know, a, a, to your point, a lot of great things are coming. Um, I think... It's just, I mean, the, this, the things that we've heard that Zimmer is going to be doing for the score, we're going to be seeing a lot more of Zendaya. Austin Butler in uh, the mm. role made famous by by Sting. Okay, Gabe, here's my question for you, though. Huh? Is uh, Denny has talked about how he he would love to, for this to be a trilogy. Yeah. Oh, Because wow. oh, I, I have not read beyond uh, the, the first book. Right. I, I've read what happens in the in the next book, Dune Messiah. Right, right, right. Could this potentially be Dune part two of three? Yeah, yeah. I haven't read Dune Messiah either. I've read some of the prequel stuff, uh, which came out. That would be a TV cool. series. Probably. Actually, no, I think I did read Dune Messiah when I was a kid, but I don't I don't remember that. Um, yes, Dune Messiah is like the the best of the sequels like that's the one that feels like it's really a part of the story and then everything else i think if you're a big dune fan there are a ton of other books that you can read but they're more they're more exciting because you're in on the world in mm -hmm. my opinion um and and from opinions that i've read mainly because i haven't read all of those books but yes i think that i especially with how much i don't know if you guys remember dune wasn't like a niche film dune like you know, a movie about a, a a desert planet with with uh, psychedelic spice on it, yeah. like crushed, like like people yeah. were talking about it culturally, yeah. like they were mm -hmm. into it. And so I think that if he captures that audience again this year. I think they're absolutely going to double down, and I think they're are they still doing the TV series that I don't know well, about? I, well, I was going to say, I feel like sure. if I think he makes Dune Part Two, it comes out, it does well. And then I think if they go beyond it, I think Villeneuve maybe either becomes a producer or directs a couple episodes of, of, of a series and maybe like the first two or something. And then they continue the Dune stuff with maybe HBO Max. I don't know how they're going to do that, but I, you know, I think it, it I don't know. I mean, I, I think Dune part two is going to do really well. I mean, that was Zendaya. Zendaya really sold the hell out of that first movie and she was barely in it. Like, and, and, and I think that, you know, that press tour, 
that was some of the most brilliant marketing I'd ever seen was having Chalamet and Zendaya go out and just do all those press tours, mm. all those like different, you know, clothing changes and different like red carpets and like they went viral just based on the, the outfits they oh, were they wearing and, it was yeah, it was, was so brilliantly yeah. marketed yeah so, um, so the series dune the sisterhood as far as i can tell is coming out this year and is still happening i don't know oh, if wow. there's a firm release date but yeah they have a it's crazy hbo max so let's let's scale back expectations hey, what to uh that furiosa movie with anya taylor joy that, that's coming out it's, this year still moving oh, forward yes yeah, George Miller kidding. finished it already. Yeah, wow. Okay. I think. Also, uh, I forgot to mention Mission was my number four, okay. which is actually sweet, sweet irony c- compared to where Oppenheimer ended up on our list. For so, Sean, take it. <laughs> All right, that's fine. <laughs> um, Mission was my um, number one. Um, so um, who was? Let's go to our fives. Yeah, real quick, real quick. Uh, so these were all tied for sixth on our list. Uh, Sean, what was your number five? I went with the Flash. Out of morbid curiosity, has to be a hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm really curious to see what they're going to salvage out of it, and I'm genuinely excited to see Michael Keaton back as Batman. So, yeah. from from a nostalgia, I'm Beautiful. curious about that one. Yeah, I'm I really, I really considered Good that filmmaker. heavily. Um, but if only, if only for the Keaton element, because that's yeah. something see, I never thought uh, we would uh, ever Andy see. Muschietti. No, Kevin's right. Yeah. I, I like Muschietti. Yeah. Oh, absolutely, as well too. Have yeah. we had he him makes on? Me Did he come on? Did he hits? come on for it? Didn't we get him for no, it? No, we, ha- we I don't had Bill Skarsgård. No, That's Scarsgard. right. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. We got to get in. Sean and I ran into him in London. That's right. Yes. And we oh, think we yeah. re- we think he was starting to have those secret meetings for The he Flash. That's yeah. what he said he was. He yeah. told yeah. us. Yeah. I remember that. Yes. Yeah. Uh, Kev, what was your number five? My number five was Barbie. Um, um, it's great pick. Uh, great pick. Great pick. Very, very it's a good much spot on your list, too. Sorry to interrupt, because... It's still, I still don't know if it's going to be really great or miss the mark. Like, I can't tell if it's going to be everything I want it to be or. Yeah, I think with Greta. So obviously I love what she did with Little Women. Um, yeah. When I saw that this was announced, it, I, I didn't really, I was like, oh, they're making a Barbie film. But it, it's uh, knowing it's Greta Gerwig, I know they're going to really dive into some very serious thematics about, you know, just body image and the way we see ourselves. I think it's going to be a really fascinating look into that while also being highly entertaining. What put it over the edge for me was that 2001 trailer. Yeah. <laughs> when, like I, I, you know, for what, what blows my mind about that is, and again, I, this is not to like talk down to anybody, but like younger audiences might not know what 2001 is. So I'm sure that bit went over a lot of people's heads and I'm not trying to sound like, you know, I'm, I'm a film guy. So I know what I'm talking about. It was, it's just more of like, you know, if you're like 13 years old and you watch the Barbie trailer and you've never seen Kubrick's 2001, you're not getting that joke. But you're all, you know, but you're you're enjoying what you're seeing from a visual perspective. So it works both ways. But just for Gerwig to do that was a really cool move. Like it was a really good idea. It was smart. They did a really good job, you know, homaging you know, Kubrick's film. Uh, and it was perfect. It was it was it, it, the trailer. It's, it's honestly like a, a perfect teaser. And I, I actually don't really need to see anything else, um, to be honest. Um, so and I think Margot Robbie, who delivered such a brilliant performance in Babylon, um, I just Brian love Gosling. that she's. I think she's. I think she's a producer on this, and, and it, it just looks fantastic. So that was my number yeah. five. Also, give, remember, give Bar- Margot Robbie all the like eccentric roles you can find. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Also, Barbie's opening against Oppenheimer. <laughs> that's that's great. That I think a that's tough, a really tough week you know for like you. People are making shirts like Team Barbie, Team Oppenheimer, and like that's there's one shirt that's like split. Yeah, oh, 100%. it is. But you know, it's, it's really also good. interesting. So you know, we all know that that Nolan left Warner Brothers, and now he's with Universal, right. and Barbie is Warner Brothers. So basically, you have. Nolan going up against his his older right, right, right. studio, um, so it's going to be an interesting thing. But oh, yeah, I'm, I'm all on. I also noticed this today. Sorry, Gabe, real fast. Uh-huh. 
uh, Rebel Moon got a December 22nd release date. Yes. If it goes to theaters, it will compete against uh, Aquaman and the Lost Kingdom. It'll I be did Snyder see that. going against Warner Brothers in DC. Pretty great. That's that's a lot of fun. Well, wow. Netflix make it happen. Um, Jake, I was surprised that your number five actually didn't show up on Sean's list. What's your number five? Uh, mine is The Killer, which is David Fincher's oh. new film. And How did he I is, forget uh, that? He's reuniting with the writer of Seven, and that yes. is my favorite Fincher film. Uh, the story Ooh. seems incredible. Fassbender is a star. They shot a little bit of it here in Chicago. Yeah. I mean, but just for me, all I have to hear is Fincher reuniting with the writer of Seven, and yeah. I'm in. Yeah. I mean, they, we saw four seconds of footage today when they released yeah. this Netflix montage. And it, I mean, it looks like a Fincher movie. It looks, it does. It, it, looks like, very, but like, it reminds me of like, like old school Fincher. Old school like, Fincher. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's yeah. what I'm saying. Like, give me, give me. Because yeah. I got to be honest with you, I have like not Zodiac loved vibes. the last decade of Fincher. If I'm being honest, what's the last decade? What does that cover? So Mank. You didn't love Mank. Um, Benjamin uh, Button's great. Uh, G- Gone, Gone, no, no, that's, that's, that's twenty decade. years. I, uh, Gone, Gone Girl is terrific. I like Gone Girl, but I don't love it. And um, and Girl with the Dragon, and Girl with the Dragon tattoo. Oh, see, you're crazy. No, those last three, I would go. Meh. You didn't love Gone, Gone Girl. Gone Girl I to me, Gone Girl made. has absolutely no rewatchability. That might be. Oh, that's not see, true. I, oh, that's dude, not true. Gone at all. Girl yeah. on the second watch was yeah. way better than the first one. Because I mean, also, you, but I'd, I'd already read the book, so the first watch oh, I knew what the bit was. That is oh, that is like the the um the beginning of asshole Affleck. Like he is so good as a condescending, you know, he's jerk great. He's great. It's a movie. good, it's a good movie, but in the grand scheme of like, but you didn't like Girl with the Dragon Tattoo either. Do no. you like the original? The, was it Swedish? Yeah. And oh, I like the book. Maybe Pace. Yeah, and, Pace. I liked, and I like the book. Um, but I mean, I would just, I mean, if we're talking about like, if we're talking Fincher, I would rank seven and fight club and Zodiac and Benjamin Button and the game. Oh, dude, of course. High social than, network. Which, which course. to me puts and social network all those higher than than uh, Dragon Tattoo and Gone Girl and Mank, which to me I means do. that those three, the last decade of Fincher is wow. bottom tier Fincher. That's like saying the last decade of Spielberg has not been good because it was like you but can't I compare still, but the thing is, I, one and West Side yes, Story but the thing is, but I still loved, to Jaws I've and still loved Lost Ark. the last decade of Spielberg. I have not loved the last decade. Like the, the gap is so is so much wider. Yeah, that's the problem. I, I mean, say, Mink, I get. I love Mink, so I disagree. But I understand. Yeah. I would understand that. The other two, I'm surprised. I will say this though: what I love about Jake's list just now, all the films he mentioned outside of Social Network were shot on film. By the way, oh, that was back when no Fincher because was, that's Fincher exactly, was a that's you. You but know no. me. You, you know look, me. And you just said a little while ago about the look of Fincher films. That looks like sure is the killer Fincher. shot on film. No, no, he's been shooting digital since um, Dragon uh, oh, Social dude. Network. Yeah. How about when Zach took out that red camera? Oh, yeah, digital. Listen, beautiful. Fincher is was probably. Pink, I, was I, say, I thought it was pink. Yeah, yeah, it was. Yeah, yes. Fincher is probably one <laughs> of the few filmmakers that I think does digital brilliantly. Like he's actually to me like. If you can follow in the footsteps, like the way Fincher uses digital, like for example, social network. It, it shot so beautifully, like the way he ca- captures the Harvard campus and like the, the the color tones of it. And I just 
there are filmmakers who do it well, especially for someone who does a hundred takes or so per take. I mean, <laughs> shooting on films is a, is a bit of a, isn't the opening scene on social network. There was 99 takes. Yeah, they yeah. used the first one, I think, mm-hmm. uh, or something like that. I think that. Jay-Z said that. Um, yeah. Something- <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. That's really good. <laughs> that was great. I did not expect that. All um, right. Uh, let's get uh, the anyway, audience. So yeah. yeah audience so Fincher. Yeah, for, yeah. Uh, hashtag most anticipated 2023. Uh, <laughs> Savannah good. Sanders, Ray Perkin, John Palmer, Harry Lichtman, and many, many, many others said Oppenheimer. So I had to give feel pretty good. About have that. some redemption there. Yeah, okay. we had a lot I of mean, Oppenheimer low. I mean, it's four. It's, it's four. four. <laughs> it's four. Yeah, that's pretty low, dude. You were upset about Mission being two. I, 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 was. I didn't even like. I'm, I'm, I'm very content with my list. It almost lines up exactly with the uh, real blend list. Mitchell Schwartz, uh, Dino Paulo, and many others said Dune Part Two. Uh, Jenny went with one that I honestly considered uh, Scream Six. Jenny went. With Scream I thought six. about Scream Six, dude. Scream that Six. Was my number oh, six. did you guys see that little that little blip they released today that uh, they're gonna? Because you know a full trailer, trailer comes tomorrow. out tomorrow. tomorrow. But did you yeah. see the little blip today? No. It's fascinating. It's them in a convenience store hiding from Ghostface, and Ghostface turns around and he's holding a shotgun. Ooh. Which I'm just like that Wait. seems unlike anything. Because I mean, granted, we know Has there he are ever moments. Use anything else besides a knife? Well, like the killers themselves, when they're unmasked, will use guns. Yeah, guns. In the second one, he had a gun in like the theater, right? After yeah, he reveals himself. But, um, oh, and then yeah. Billy Loomis uses gun, but like in but, the garage and the and but I'm trying to, yeah, but, but I'm trying to, but like Ghostface. I think you're yeah, right. When you think of when you think of a slasher, you think of Slashing, sla- yeah, slashing. But so, so I'm curious to see what the context is. Maybe of he's got, a, maybe a, he's got a bayonet on the. End I really shape. do think <laughs> putting the story in New York is going to add such a uh, such a fresh element to it. I'm oh, so I excited for Scream. I, I love that so. it's in New York. I think I think because again we joke about J- Jason. I I love Jason. Jason Dixman. barely <laughs> went to the Jason was on a boat. <laughs> I still love that movie. J- Jason you know, sailed around Manhattan. Yeah. You know they got to make a joke about that. Like those yes. guys oh, are are so in tune with. Oh, dude. See, like from the in the opening, they'll probably be like, unlike Jason, we're actually in Manhattan this time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Something. I, like I, that. I just want them to like have Ghostface walking towards a boat in the first couple of minutes and make you think that the first <laughs> hour. Doing, and a half. What kind of shot would that be in a screen? <laughs> we're just we're just following Ghostface <laughs> walking to a boat, getting some groceries. He goes, he goes water skiing on the back of the boat. <laughs> <laughs> All right, scary uh, movie six. Ariel Pace uh, no. said the Marvels. Uh, Kyle Noronia mm. went with Indiana Jones 5. Um, I got to get used to saying. I think it's Norona. I think it's how you say Kyle's Nerona? name. Norona? Norona, I believe. Uh, said Indiana 5. Which, no one said who? What? None, none of us really did Marvel stuff. This year. Um, Kimberly I mean, isn't, isn't Spider-Man technically? technically I guess it's I would have put Guardians on there because I am genuinely curious how yeah. James Gunn is going to bring uh, that story to uh, The Marvels would be up there for me. I don't know if it'd be my top five, but I'm very curious about how the Marvels will come together. For how sure. it's going to come together. Kimberly yeah. Sue said Across the Spider-Verse and Vanessa Herrera uh, said Herrera, Barbie. I believe. Is Herrera. Herrera. Oh, another filmmaker who shoots good digitally is uh, Denis Villeneuve. Uh, he shoots every, you know, pretty much everything he does is digital. Prisoners Forward, I believe. Absolutely. There's some good, there's some good filmmakers. I, I, I talk about film digital a lot on this show, and I'm there's not trying to sound pretentious. There's a lot of great filmmakers. There's a lot of great digital filmmakers. <laughs> yeah. But Fincher and Denis, to me, are like two of the prime guys who just do it really well. But I'll always prefer film. I'd put I um, yeah. Ryan Johnson yeah. up there. Yeah. Knives Out looks great. But Ryan's film movies look better in my opinion i think i think looper and and brick and and uh brothers bloom and i don't think we i don't think we'll ever be able to finish this argument for next week 
<laughs> reach out to us on Twitter using hashtag. I'm coming around. 2023 <laughs> Best Picture Blend. Yes. Uh, so so to, ex- to explain, the, the nominees are dropping on Tuesday. So I'll tweet this out <gasps> as a reminder again on Tuesday. But once the nominees drop from that list, we want to hear in your moment, the week that they come out, what you think will win. Do we want to do what we think will win or what they want to win? I think we should do what they think will win. Think will win. Yeah, yes. I think that's more your prediction. What, your prediction. prediction. All right, I'm exhausted. Pop Pop needs a nap. Let's take a break. Pop Pop. No, Sean's just upset about Mission being number two. <laughs> and we are back. Okay, so this week in movies, uh, I want to talk about Anna Kendrick's film, Alice Darling, which is expanding uh, into more theaters because I genuinely think it is uh, some of the best work, if not the best work that she has done uh, in a film. Um, And I know she's great in Up in the Air, but I think Up in the Air is just a terrific film across the board. And she really carries this movie. Um, It's about a girl who is in, excuse me, an abusive relationship. Uh, And it's very subtle in terms of showing the um, the the physical uh, repercussions and the mental repercussions of somebody who is trying to uh, protect the fact that her boyfriend or significant other um, is is abusing her from her friends uh, and then her friends want to take her away on a weekend and you just feel you feel the dread uh, that comes with each of the decisions that she is making because you almost project um, where it could potentially go. Uh, for her and it's it's because her performance i believe is so compelling um that i was riveted uh to this character because it's anna kendrick and she's extremely likable and she brings that quality to the character and she's um she brings a, a sort of vulnerability and fragility that i think is sort of built into her characters and so when you see her uh, going through uh, the the really difficult scenes that she has with this um this guy she's dating who is verbally abusive i don't remember physically i don't i don't wish i don't think he was physically abusive to her i can't remember i saw it a while ago at toronto um but you start to pick up on how like the friends are noticing things and and then the things that she's doing to herself they do uh, i spoke to the director about this in toronto they do this thing where she drags her fingers through her hair and Mm -hmm. clumps of hair are coming out with her and you realize like how much stress that that this relationship is putting um on her and on her body and you know, thankfully, I've never been in a relationship that bad. I don't really even know of anybody who has been in a relationship that, that bad. But the way that Alice Darling lays all these facts out, it was extremely believable. And, and I, I I thought I could recognize a lot of issues that people probably go through. She was fantastic in it. Um, I loved where it was going at the end. I won't tell you guys where it ends up going. Um, but if you like her at all. I think you need to go out of your way to go see this in the theater because she is terrific, terrific in it. Yes, Gabe. Uh, this was one of your highlights out of TIFF, right? This was, it was. Yeah. Definitely. So if folks at home want to hear more of your thoughts or more in depth and, and more fresh review, because I don't know if you've been able to rewatch it since then, because I know it's, I have it's coming out this. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we you did record a video review on Cinema Blend's YouTube channel. I did. Which you can find uh, going to YouTube. And I have a good uh, interview with Anna that I believe is on Cinema Blend's YouTube channel. Uh, page Helpful. so yeah as if, more, well. if you want more content on that go check that out there's a fun story about her getting trapped in an elevator that made the rounds recently <laughs> and how she had to get lifted out of the top of the elevator during the um, shooting of the movie or uh, just in no, general no, no. At, at tiff oh. um in the old building where we interviewed her um and the elevator got stuck and they couldn't get it open because it was between floors and she literally had to john mcclain out the top of the elevator um and get lifted through the thing did and somebody feed her down a machine gun 
I have watched the video because, I mean, obviously they, everybody in the elevator was recording it because they thought it was kind of funny. And she's in the dress um, from that we were oh, wearing wow. her that day. And when I showed up at the uh, building where we were <laughs> doing the interviews, they said the elevator's out. You got to walk up. And it was like six flights of stairs. Oh. So we hoofed it up six flights of stairs and then interviewed Anna Kendrick. And now I'm learning months later <laughs> that she was <laughs> airlifted out of this <laughs> this broken wow, elevator car. Wow. Uh, is that why you're breathing interviews. so heavily in the interview? Just I was <laughs> just dripping, <laughs> sweating. And, uh, <laughs> I thought you were Sean, nervous. Yeah. Sean, so they, they pulled her up in the air, like, to get her oh, out? Wow. They did, yes. Okay, okay, okay. Just make, Gol- you're getting a sure. golf clap, Kevin. I don't know if Thank you can you. see. That joke was Thank pitch you. perfect, Kevin. <laughs> <laughs> Jake, um, take over Sarah Polly's uh, <laughs> women talking, which is also in the awards race and is expanding wide. Yeah, I, I absolutely love this film. I didn't really know much about it going in other than, and this feels like a, the wrong word to use, but kind of the bit, which is that a, a majority of the film is a group of female characters in one room talking to each other. Almost it felt like, I sort of felt like, oh, like, am I going to be watching a play for, for an hour, 45 minutes? But the actual story is just absolutely phenomenal. It's inspired by a true story of sort of this... um uh, deep religious group. I don't want to use the word cult because that would be offensive, but this, this religious group sect, um, like a sect. Yes. Yes. And, uh, the men have convinced the women that if they wake up feeling like they were sexually violated, that it was uh, like the devil or, you know, like, you know, when in actuality it's them, like the men are going around raping these women in the night and, and trying to use their religion to justify it and convince them of other things, basically trying to gaslight them. And eventually the women sort of wise up and figure out what's going on and, And the men are away for a day and the women have to decide what are we going to do now? Mm -hmm. All of this, these these decisions are very much still based in in their beliefs and their in their religion. And they can either leave, they can stay and do nothing or they can stay and fight. And that is sort of the basis of what it is that they're talking about. And every character is coming from a different place and has a different opinion. And I was fascinated. I was just, the performances are phenomenal. The direction is incredible. It is more than just, um, them and because they're in a barn talking to each other and it, it is a lot more. I don't want to like be dismissive of a majority of the film does play, takes place in the barn, but it is a lot more than that. Oh my God. That Claire Foy's performance, Rooney, Rooney Mara, even, you know, I, I don't want to like signal out the one dude in the cast, but Ben Winshaw gives it, gives a fantastic performance as the man who's sort of been chosen to dictate because he can write, um, it's just a truly remarkable film that, um, I really wished were a more of an awards presence, to be mm-hmm. honest. Um, I really thought it was going to be more of an awards presence. Uh, Sarah Pauly directs the shit out of it. Um, I, it's a remarkable film. I really, mm-hmm. really loved it. It still feels like it's on the fringe. Like I wouldn't be surprised if when the nominations come out, it yeah. has a decent amount of them. Yeah. Um, I just don't know if it's sounding like a I feel like a lot of right um, a lot of voters are one confused as to who goes in which category. I yeah. think I think I feel like the studio did not do a great job of clarifying because everyone kind of has equal parts. So I think they didn't do a great job of clarifying who goes where. And because of yeah. that, maybe some people's votes have been divvied up. I think and it was that uh, you meant to say Clara Foying. Uh, Clara Foying. <laughs> Clara Foying. <laughs> 
God, Tom you, Hanks you, and I you, are going to have so Jesus much to talk Lord. about when we start you, our own podcast. You, you might be the first man to say something like that. <laughs> Because she was in first man, so I'm going to clarify that. <laughs> this, 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 is, this is why I'm leaving you for Tom Hanks. Boying. Come on, help me out here. Come on. Come on. All right, Kevin. And, and I'm taking Gabe, by the way. I'm taking Gabe <laughs> to, my, for, to my Tom um, Hanks podcast. Ensemble at SAG, at least? Yeah. Yes, they did. They did. Yeah, okay. they did. Yes, they did. Um, and then the sequel that we talked about earlier, because we uh, got a chance to have the producers uh, on the show earlier for a bonus is the film missing uh kev set up missing and um and compare it to searching yeah obviously so this is coming from the the people who brought you missing and 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 you can obviously um listen to our interview that we have with uh the producers uh, on our youtube channel or obviously wherever you get your podcast it's a bonus episode for this particular week uh it's great and as we mentioned earlier they're fans of the show so it was nice uh to have them on uh, but yeah so the film storm reed uh, is i would say high school or i was, or I was mm-hmm. saying it was a high school character mm-hmm. um the whole movie takes place directly from cameras that are involved in computers and WhatsApp and FaceTime and things like that. So you're always within the world of the computer somehow. Um, I guess that's fair to say or yeah, it's not a spoiler definitely. to say yeah. that. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And so uh, Nia Long's character is her mother. Nia Long is her mother in the film. She goes on a trip to Colombia and she uh, gets kidnapped uh, or we believe she gets kidnapped and we're not sure if she's alive. We don't know what's going on we all we know is that her character does not make it back home uh for storm reed to pick her up at the airport Hmm. and that becomes the you know it's interesting how they play with cameras so for example how do you continue a movie it takes place in in a computer screen or on a a cell phone and you go to an airport with that character well you have the character set up a phone at the airport filming a video of her trying to surprise her mom for the arrival Mm -hmm. and that's how we get that footage it's kind Mm -hmm. of like a really it's pretty ingenious some of the some of the justifiable reasons why a camera would be rolling Mm -hmm. yeah like why like why else would you have footage of her at the airport oh because she took a selfie video to surprise her mom it's cool um so you know nia long's character does not show up at the airport which obviously provokes uh storm reed's character to go on a search and the whole movie literally is her like what's happening with this guy in Columbia trying to find her mom it's really fascinating lots of twists and turns um one thing I will say about it is I didn't know where it was going Mm -hmm. I was Mm -hmm. surprised the entire film like I was like genuinely like there were so many different twists that hit that I did not see coming and I don't know if it was just you know maybe me being naive but I was just like I didn't know where things were going I I bought into all the tension and the drama Um, one of the things I love about the film and I mentioned this in our interview is the juxtaposition between this is not just saying technology is bad don't use it Um, I think it comes across as a cautionary tale of when to use it when not to use it and what the limitations should be on it Um, you know we there through the use of technology, she is able to search for her mom. Mm -hmm. Um, And so that is a blessing, right? Because you have the ability to do that. But then you have the idea of like, you know, being on your phone all the time, checking your phone, checking notifications, texting, not listening to your mom when she's calling you, but you're typing out something else. And, you know, there, there is, I think the film presents both sides of technology and both sides of the way we use phones and all these different apps. Uh, And it says, listen, you're a human being got to have discipline, use it for what it's you should be used for like anything in the world. Like, like just overusing something can lead to many problems, especially with our phones and psychological issues and things like that. But outside of that, I was just, I found it 
thrilling and surprising. And I thought Storm Reid carried the film really well. Um, and I was just really immersed in it. It was it was like I like I was just saying to you guys just now, like I kept going in my mind going, wait a second. Why wait? Why would we have a camera here? Why? Oh, oh, it makes perfect sense. We're here. Or a ring camera becomes a sense of tension when you're outside the house with the ring camera about who might be there. So I was really impressed with it. It was it was really kind of a big surprise for me. I really enjoyed it. And I I love searching, but I just didn't know what to expect from missing because but it really worked. So I definitely want people to check it out in theaters. now that it's starting to play, I, we mentioned in the bonus episode that we did with the producers of how people are going out and supporting stuff like uh, Megan, and it doesn't have to all be franchises. It could be original IP. And even though this is, I guess, part of a franchise, part of a burgeoning franchise, it still feels to me completely different than searching. And I, I can't and, wait to see what yeah. they're going to do with a third one. And the cameras don't feel like a bit either. I want to mention that because yeah. you could you if you're if this movie's in the wrong hands, it could come across as a uh, gimmick is what I would say. Like, 100%. like, 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 and, and like, I, like with the examples that we gave, they, everything is justified. That's why when, you know, when searching came out, I loved it. And then when I found out missing was coming out, I'm like, okay, we've seen something in, in terms of this before, how are they going to expand upon it or make it interesting for the audience? And that was something that I was surprised with. I was like, Oh, they really did make an understanding of where we are with our technology and kind of not mm-hmm. making it a gimmick, which they could have easily done. Like unfriended was another great example of this Long too, which they, which they mentioned in our interview. I don't think it's the same filmmakers, but, um, but it was a similar type of similar idea. Concept. And it was, it was kind of shocking and surprising. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. Let's wrap this one up. Uh, our next premium episode is going to be, as mentioned, the 2023 fantasy movie draft. So again, if you want to sign up for premium uh, and get access to all the cool things that we do over there, check the description below uh, for more info on signing up. Thank you guys for joining us again for another episode of 2023. We are off and running. We have a couple of really cool things planned for this year as we move forward. Uh, happy birthday to Jake Hamilton. Recording I'm going on to check his my birthday. Mail. He's going oh, right. <laughs> to right. check his Honestly, this is like I'm, I'm this is my most anticipated moments of the year right now. I'm like, I'm waiting for like <laughs> to find out what Jake got. Jake probably got like a script from Road to Perdition signed by Tom Hanks and, and Sam Mendes. It's going to be a letter. That just, I'm telling you, it's going to be like a letter that says like to whom it may concern. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to it's going to say Jack Hamilton. You're Jack. Jack. You're Jack. <laughs> There's a, there's a, you know, you know, there's a, there's a Stephen King short story called The Death of Jack Hamilton, and it always bothers me. I'm like, it's so close, it's so uh, close, and how cool would it be if there was a Stephen King story named The Death of Jake Hamilton? Sounded like it put you in a little bit of misery that it wasn't Jake Hamilton. Even better if he'd responded to your tweets. <laughs> <laughs> he and Mark Hamill probably text each other every time they get one. <laughs> this asshole. <laughs> I got him again. Kevin, yeah. I heard the misery joke. That was good. I like you. It. Thank you. Yeah. I, I don't know. If it, if it landed but thank you oh, i got it i got it definitely no, All right. i think i think gabe won this round with his 99 problems jay-z joke and then you with your pitch perfect you guys were just like we were pitch perfect too yeah. Yeah. you're strong all right follow us on good. social media uh at jake's takes at kevin mccarthy tv at sean underscore o'connell at gabe kovach and of course the show is at real blend we'll be back next yeah. week with a brand new show and the premium episode on monday so until then Oppenheimer at number four. Do I think? <laughs> at Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. 
With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success.